This is the Washington Health Report. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. America's health care system needs fixing. Physicians know that, patients know that, and now politicians in Washington are making health care reform a top priority. But before we change the American health care system, we need to know what works and what doesn't. The Commonwealth Fund, a private foundation supporting independent research on health and social issues, decided to find out how well the U.S. is doing by producing a national health care scorecard. Our guest is Karen Davis, the president of the Commonwealth Fund and one of the researchers who produced the National Healthcare Scorecard. Welcome to the program. Pleased to be here. So tell us a little bit about how this scorecard was done, who you talked to, the methodology. How did it work? Our board of directors set up a commission on a high-performance health system with 19 experts across various sectors of the healthcare system, uh, bringing various expertise and perspectives. And the first task that the commission set about was preparing a scorecard on the U.S. healthcare system. So our staff beat the bushes, looked at the data that are available that would pertain to the key domains of performance that the commission thought were central. Those included ensuring that people have healthy, long, and productive lives, improving quality of care, improving access to care, efficiency, and equity. So the scorecard basically selected 37 national indicators in those dimensions of health system performance, and they looked at what's the best performance that we can find. For example, one is looking at mortality that's amenable to medical care intervention. So if you had good medical care, what would be the death rate? There, the U.S. performance was about 30% worse than that of the best countries. We had about 115 deaths per 100,000 population compared with 80 per 100,000 in the the countries with the best performance. In other words, we we know what to do medically to, to prevent these things. Right, that we could prevent, for example, asthma from really getting so out of control that someone would die from that condition. That would be one example. That would be the type of a measure of health outcomes, and the best countries would get a score of 100 on that, and we would look at the U.S. rate relative to that, and the U.S. in that case had a score of 70. But I think the main thing is that it demonstrated that it is possible to improve, that there are places that are doing better, sometimes within the U.S., sometimes in other countries, and we can learn from that experience. For example, we found in the U.S. that only 49% of all patients are up to date with their preventive care. 49, less than half. And what are we talking about there in terms of preventive care? What kinds of things? Well, they would include, for example, mammograms and pap smears for women. They would include colonoscopies to detect colon cancer for older adults. Obviously, things like flu shots for elderly patients would be part of the recommended regimen of preventive care. So you're telling me I better set up an appointment for a physical as soon as we're done here. Yes, yes, you may be bringing our score down on that. Uh, that front. We'll get to some of the good things, maybe surprising good things that came up in the scorecard, but let's go through the grim news first. You know, as I, as I said in the intro, we all know there are a lot of things wrong with the healthcare system, but go through with us some of the particular things that maybe maybe were surprising or, or maybe were even worse than, than we might have guessed in the absence of this study. The U.S. overall scored 66 out of 100. The areas where the U.S. was weakest were on things, for example, like efficiency, 
We found an awful lot of waste and duplication in the U.S. healthcare system. We found that people were winding up in the hospital for things that could have been prevented. We found that people who leave the hospital often wind up back in the hospital from a complication or maybe they didn't understand how to take their medications and didn't get the follow-up care that they really should have had. So looking at the wide variation in performance across the U.S. from one hospital to another, from one state to another, certainly showed that there were ways of providing better care and saving money. How do you measure efficiency or or how to burrow down into it a little bit more? How did you look at that and make that assessment? Well, the first one was simply waste and duplication, which I think we could all agree is is inefficient. So it might be, for example, on our international surveys, we asked people if they had a test repeated that had already been done by another doctor. Just sort of routinely repeated when it didn't need to be, that sort of thing? Well, or somebody couldn't find the record, so they just did it over. But another measure of overuse or inappropriate use of health services that's been identified by the National Committee for Quality Assurance, for example, are use of imaging tests for lower back pain. And there's certain indications when it's appropriate, but uh, when there were no apparent risk factors or signs of serious pathology. So that would be one of the measures of waste or inefficiency. So that's one kind of dimension of inefficiency. The other kinds of dimensions, though, are when you wind up spending a lot more because you didn't invest in preventive and primary care early on. So, for example, a patient that can't get in to see their doctor may wind up going to the emergency room or asthma. If you had been seeing the doctor regularly and kept it under control, you wouldn't have wound up in the emergency room or even in the hospital. So preventable ERUs, preventable hospitalizations because we didn't invest appropriately in preventing for primary care. Another way we measure efficiency is just to look at variations across the U.S., in, say, what the Medicare is paying for a hip fracture. In one part of the U.S., they may be spending 30 40% more for taking care of the same kind of patient as in another part of the U.S. So, again, we feel like there's an opportunity to provide better care and more efficient care by simply identifying those areas that have the best performance. Others that I think were maybe less surprising is just how much we spend on insurance administrative costs. We spend about $85 billion more than we would be spending if we had administrative costs that were as low as, say, France or or Finland. I bet that's not counting the two hours I spent on the phone waiting to talk to somebody either, or maybe it is. Absolutely. It's not your wasted time. It's not your time filling out paperwork or trying to figure out what you owe, and it's not even your doctor's paperwork. I'm just talking about the insurance overhead, the part of the premium that really doesn't go for medical care. Right. So in other words, if you tried to factor in my time and physician's time and so forth, this this number would be even higher than it is. It would be astronomical, I guess. Absolutely. So that is one key reason why our costs are so high. Another reason that's a little bit surprising is that we make much less use of health information technology than other countries. We always like to think we're the technological leader of the world, and in many areas we certainly are. Didn't we invent all that stuff? We found that doctors in countries like the Netherlands, like Denmark, 90% of the doctors have electronic medical records. And you're really talking about 20 25% of doctors 
in the U.S., so we lag other countries in use of modern-day health information systems. I'm Paul Rayburn, and we're talking to Karen Davis, the president of the Commonwealth Fund, about the Commonwealth Fund's national health care scorecard. Now, one of the things that you looked at, I think, was there was something about hospital readmission rates for Medicare patients, that those were higher than, than they might be. Tell me a little bit about, about that. Absolutely. That's one of the major issues that stands out. As you look across hospitals across the U.S., the hospital admission rates vary twofold from one place to another. So so what does that mean? If the readmission rate is, is higher, the, the job wasn't done right the first time? It can be a complication, say an infection that came from surgery that really was manifest after the patient went home. It can be that the patient just didn't really understand how to take their medications. One of the high readmission conditions is congestive heart failure or, say, fluid retention, you may be needing to take medications that make sure that doesn't build up. And if you didn't understand it and didn't go home with the medicine and didn't take it appropriate, then the problem is right back and you're right back in the hospital. We found, for example, in the best five states, you had about 14% of all Medicare patients were readmitted. In the worst five states, 22% of all patients were readmitted. And there are things that hospitals can do, you know, just to make certain that patients really understand what's normal, what's abnormal, how to take their medications, whom to call if anything is bothering them or troubling them, or even doing nurse home visits to check up on the patient after they go home. Or some hospitals are using call centers to really just make a phone call to patients 24 hours after discharge. I just want to underscore what I, what I think is going on here, and I, I think it's important, and that's why I'm, I want to emphasize it, is that when you and the other smart people that you got together for the board and the people at the fund and others that you brought in to, to do this project, this is not a case where the wise people sat around in a room and thought about how things should be and then went out and found that in the world they're nothing like what they should be. But in fact, you compared health care to, to good things, to average health care, you compared average health care to good things that are actually happening out there. So this is not some theoretical ideal. This is an ideal that somewhere in some corner in our country or perhaps overseas, somebody's actually making this work the way it ought to work. Right. Our benchmarks are based on best practices, so it's not a theoretical ideal, but what's the best that's out there that could be emulated by other hospitals, by other doctors? That's right. So somebody can come back to you and say, oh, you know, sure, in an ideal world we could do that, because you can say, no, 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 here they are in, in Amarillo and they're doing it, or wherever it is. Good. Well, thank you very much for being with us. We have been talking about a National Health Care Scorecard with Karen Davis, the president of the Commonwealth Fund and one of the authors of the scorecard. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. You've been listening to the Washington Health Report. This is ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals.